Well, if you were here with us last week, Matt was preaching through John 17, 1 through 19. And in that passage of scripture, we see the high priestly prayer, where Jesus has just kind of exited the upper room. It's the end of the upper room discourse, and he's going with the 11 disciples, going towards the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's praying before the Father, not only on behalf of himself, but on behalf of those disciples that he's walking with. And as we arrive in verse 20 this morning, we're hitting a part of the text where he's praying on behalf of those disciples who would be in the faith, who would be following him in months and years, decades, centuries to come. And so last week, Matt used this language and analogy of two dancers that were dancing. And so to to refresh you, he was talking about how one dancer, they had the music in their ears. And because they had the music in their ears, they were dancing with this confidence. They were dancing with this joy. They were in beat with the tune, and they were delighting in the music. And the overflow of their delight in the music was that they were dancing very well. The other dancer, though, didn't have the music in their ears. And with that, they were cumbersome. They, they were trying to dance. They were trying to keep in step. They were trying to show the joy that's in the music, but they weren't hearing it. And because of it, their dancing was cumbersome and awkward and probably not too different than I if I was up here trying to dance apart from music or maybe even with music. <laughs> Who said yes? <laughs> I'm a great dancer. But anyway, last week, the, the point being with those analogies, when we look at Christ crying out to the Father, as we look at one another crying out to the Father, it's to be that we're delighting in God. And as we're delighting in Him, as we're hearing God's music, God's song of salvation that we can find hope in Him, as we hear that music, we would then live a life that shows the delight that we can find in God. A powerful analogy for for us to reflect on. Am I someone who's understanding and hearing the music of the Lord, this story of salvation, this song of hope. And if I am hearing it, am I singing it as well? And so much of last week was talking about what does it look like for us to find our delight in God so that we can be in tune with Him. Because we live in a world that often is not in tune with the Lord. As we think about our own life as we look at the circles that we walk in many times we see that the world's dancing to the wrong tune right when we think about the brokenness in the world when we think about the insecurity that people walk around with in the world when people live life and try to have this confidence and try to have their joy even on their best days when we're singing the world's tune even on our best days we're living out of the overflow of this fragile happiness right because if we're trying to build our life on this song of success, and then one day we don't have success, what are we? We're crippled. If we're living this life out of the song of, it's about comfort, and I just need to get that job so that I can get the nice house and the nice couch, and then everything's great with that couch and that life until, you know, your like three-year-old spills a cup on it, and you're just like, well, shoot, that, that couch isn't quite the same anymore, and now, now I'm frustrated at my child, and why'd we get such an expensive couch? We get in the spot where it's like, well, even on my best day, when I'm singing the, the world's tune, it's so fragile because most days, if I'm not singing God's song, if I'm not living out of the overflow of salvation found in Christ, most days I'm, I'm walking around with this 
worry of what am I here for, this worry of where did I come from, this worry of, of where am I going right now in life, what's my purpose, this worry of, of what happens when I pass on, what do I do? In most days when the world is walking apart from God's tune, they're, they're living in this place of, of brokenness and fear and worry. And so this morning as we continue in this prayer of Jesus before the Father, we're going to continue that theme of dancing to the tune of God because that's what we see in the text. Jesus is continuing to pray before the Father, talking about this unity that can be found in God, but it's moving from this vertical to the horizontal. And what I mean by that is, is this prayer in the final six verses, he's coming before the Father and praying that the church would be unified, not just with God, but be unified with one another. And so up on the screen, uh, there will be uh, just the, the direction that we're going this morning, the secret of living in harmony with God and others. And because music is built on structure, we're going to build this sermon, this, this text on structure as well. And so up on the screen, uh, the first structure uh, that we're going to be looking at is keeping in tune with the conductor. How do we have this harmony with God? How do we have this harmony with others within the church, beyond the church? How do we do that? We keep in tune with the conductor. The second structure is we keep in tune with the choir. And the third structure is that we would keep in tune with the mission of the composer. And so I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to begin to unpack the text together. And so, Lord, I just... Thank you for your word. Thank you for the, the clarity that we can find in it as we look at it, God. And I just pray that even though we live in a world and in a culture that is singing the wrong song, God, that we would see your call for us and find joy and find delight in the music that you would have for us. This salvation story, this delight being found in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We'll go ahead and turn to John 17 if you aren't already there. And uh, we'll begin to look at this first structure that helps us live this song of harmony with God and other people. And the first structure is keeping in tune with the conductor. Let's read verses 20 and 21 again. Verse 20, it says, Jesus praying to the Father says, I do not ask for these only but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. As we're looking at verse 20 there, the first phrase that I think is vital to see is I do not ask for these only. Jesus is in the moments before the betrayal. Judas has left the scene. Judas is lining up this case against Christ. They're going to meet in the garden. He's going to kiss his cheek. And Jesus is praying here with the disciples. He's praying before the Father. And we see in verse 20, he says, I do not pray for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. We see here that as Jesus is crying out to the Father, he's not just praying for, for this next moment of his life. He's not just praying for the 11 who've been walking with him for the last three years. He's not just praying over the 72 that had been sent out to 
take this gospel forward in pairs. He's praying for those believers who would someday follow after him. And so through this, we can see that Jesus is presenting himself, presenting the Trinity as, as not just this commanding conductor. Like we know what a conductor is in the world of music, right? The conductor's the one who's leading the band, leading the choir. They got their arms flailing like they're, they're excited. They're trying to get people moving. They're trying to get people uh, in a place where they're just performing this excellence to have this beautiful song that's being sung. Jesus is not a, a cold conductor, but we see the compassion of Christ because he's coming before the Father and not just praying for himself in the situation. He's praying for the disciples' presence and the disciples to come. And so we can see that Jesus is this conductor who cares. That's why he's called the shepherd. Right As we read Psalm 23, we can see this shepherd nature of Christ that's being modeled even in the Old Testament. And so we can see that if we're desiring to have this unity, this harmony with God and with other people, it begins with us looking at the conductor, right? If our tendency is to sing the wrong song, if the tendency is to, to try to just conduct our, our own little muse and, and story and song in life, we're not going to be fixing our eyes on the conductor. But if we fix our eyes on the conductor and we see his compassion and we see his love and we see his grace, it's going to make us want to follow him and follow his lead. Because he leads us to the sweetest songs we could ever know. It, it reminds me of uh, a little family tradition. My, my wife and I started this last Christmas Eve. My wife was like, we need more family traditions. And I was like, you're right, we do. And so we said, all right, how about every Christmas Eve, we make steak, we make potatoes, and then we, we record ourselves singing a Christmas carol because our family lives all around the world and we don't see them very often. And let's just bless them by singing. My wife Peyton can sing. I can sing. I can play guitar. And so it's like, let's just do that. And so we start singing this song and, it, and it's great. You know, joy to the world, the Lord. And then right about there, our son Woods, who's a year and a half old, he just shows up on the scene and he starts trying to like smack the guitar, hit the guitar, starts screaming after Peyton picks him up, puts him on her lap. And what does he do? He disrupts the scene. Like in that moment, I was the conductor trying to lead this good song, trying to help us, you know, bless our family. And this little tyrant, our wonderful son, shows up, <laughs> who we love dearly, and he disrupts what is to be beautiful. And that's what happens when we're not following after the conductor. We get off course. We try to sing our own song. And we're not in tune with God. And we're not in tune with each other. Because if we're not in tune with God, we can't be in tune with each other. Because God is the conductor and he's compassionate and he's good. And he's the composer too. And he's, he's worth watching. And we ought to let him lead. But because of sin, because of brokenness, because of Genesis, right? We don't. That, that's not our default. And that's why most in the world are singing their own tune. And because it's different than God's tune, that's why there's that dissatisfaction. And so we can see that Jesus is the conductor who cares. As we look at verse 21, we can see he's not only the conductor for the choir, but he's also their perfect leader. In verse 21, he says that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. 
The doctrine of the Trinity is that God is one but three persons. And here in in the text in verse 21, we see this intricate community, this perfect community living in sync with one another. Up on the screen, there's going to be a breakdown of, of who is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How do they tie together? God the Father, he planned creation. He planned this redemptive story in light of our brokenness. God the Son, he's the one who's accomplishing creation, who's accomplishing this redemption story as it's being played out in John and the other Gospels. And then we see God, the Holy Spirit, is applying creation, applying redemption to our hearts. We're we're never going to be in a relationship with God if God doesn't first prick our heart to desire him. And so as we look at the Trinity, we see this perfect community. They have this unity among them. It's not uniformity, right? They have their distinct parts, but as they are working together as one unit, we learn so much. Why? Because the Trinity is the model and source for the own best community that we we could have. And so we have to look at the conductor because the conductor is not only compassionate, but, but that's who's leading us. And they're leading us not out of just this one aspect, but these three ways, and they're modeling this perfect harmony with one another. And so if we're going to be staying in tune with God and living in harmony with him, and we desire to also live in harmony with one another, it begins with us watching the conductor, the compassionate conductor, the conductor who's wanting to lead us. And anytime we're not doing that, right, that's when we go astray. And so as we look at verse 21, we see Jesus has this longing for us to be part of this divine community. That's why it says in 21 that they also may be in us. He desires us. He longs for us to be in step with him through the presence of the Spirit in our life. Who's applying this creation song, this redemption story to us as we live our life. And so I think it's important to see the Conductor's not leading the choir with an iron fist. The conductor's not leading the choir with a calloused heart, not leading the choir for a paycheck. We don't see Jesus overbearing. He's he's not playing all the instruments, just doing all this work and not wanting us to participate. No, he's inviting us into this grand story of God the Father to sing God's song of hope and salvation and life in him which is what the Gospel of John is all about, life in God. And so we have that invitation from Christ through this prayer. And so how do we live in harmony with God and others? It begins with us keeping in tune. How do we keep in tune? It's accepting the role that Christ as our conductor is longing to play. And it's also watching and engaging in this relationship with God. That's why this last number of months we've been hitting on this over and over and over again. We have to seek him. Like if we long for this unity with God, communion with him, health among our church body, witness within the world, we have to be 
seeking him. We have to be looking at the conductor. Like we can't be living like we're, you know, 13-year-old kids just Spotify out. And it's like, oh, I'm just going to listen to this track and life's going to be good. Listen to this. Listen to this. Oh, this still isn't good. Or, or you know, this eight track, this is what's going to lead me to, to life. This vinyl, I got to listen to this one. And the whole world, they're just skipping to the next track over and over and over again because they're trying to find the perfect song and they're missing it because in God we find that perfect song. And until we hit that place, we just don't get it. And so we have to look at the conductor, the composer, because he's written the song that humanity's to be living for. And so we see that God's structure for harmony begins with accepting and engaging with the conductor. Second structure we can see here in the text in verses 22 and 23 is that we also must keep in tune with the choir. Verse 22, it says, The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, even as you loved me. Being in tune with the choir is contingent upon us dealing rightly with glory. In verse 22, it says, The glory that you've given me. So Jesus is saying, God, you've given me this glory. And God, I'm, I'm, I'm giving this glory to them through the, the power of the Holy Spirit. They're going to be receiving this glory that they may be one. When we begin a relationship with Jesus... We receive the Holy Spirit. And as we receive the Holy Spirit, we have access to God's glorious work in our life. But if we're going to be in tune, not just with God, but also with the choir, the choir being the church, the other singers, the other people around us singing God's song, if we're going to be in tune with them, singing the right notes, we have to get this glory piece right. And that we're choosing to glorify God over choosing to glorify ourselves. What's our sinful tendency? To glorify ourselves. Life, life is about me. Life is about my desires. Life is about what I want to do. But, but what's God calling us to do? He's saying, let's rewrite that. You, you got that wrong in the garden. Let's rewrite that. Actually, the glory is for me. And so I'm going to give you my glory. In receiving the Holy Spirit, we receive that glory of God in us. But because we live in a broken, fallen world, because we're not with him in full, we have this battle with the flesh and the spirit to display that glory within community. And any time we get the glory thing wrong, or we're trying to glorify ourselves and not the Lord, that's when we see a unity issue, not just with God, but with others. So a major part of keeping harmony is dying to ourselves and choosing his glory. Over our own. It looks like honoring other people, having eyes and ears and heart and compassion for other people in our lives so that we could love them and honor them as Christ would. In, in Romans 12, which is a fantastic passage, if you're ever wondering, what am I supposed to do as a Christian? How am I to live? Look at Romans 12. And in Romans 12, verse 10, there's a verse that says, Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. If we're wanting to have unity as a church, if we're wanting to sing this unified song that glorifies God, we have to have this heart. Where it's like, I want to have this brotherly affection for the people in the church around me. I want to have this care, this nurturing. And I want to honor 
people so much that, that we get in this honor competition. I, I reference this verse all the time in my life because we never have this heart to outdo one another in honoring, not out of pride, but out of this surrender and joy to just serve other people. And so if we're wanting to be singing this song in unison with one another, we have to have this heart and we must die to ourselves and choose God's glory over our own. And so being in the choir, we must have that heart. The choir's never going to be in tune if we're always trying to outdo one another by being right or, or being better or being perfect. No, we're going to be in tune with one another when we're showing the love and honor of Christ to one another. And sometimes the choir gets it wrong and people think that the, the best value is I just want to be seen as right. And when we look at Christ, he was right, yes, and we are to aspire for holiness, but our path towards that is, is to be done in love and grace and humility, not for our own glory, but for his. So being in tune with the choir also involves us dying to ourselves by choosing reconciliation over running. Verse 23 Jesus says, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one. As we're on earth, we're never going to arrive at that perfectly one. But the goal is to work towards that, right? Through the Spirit, we're to be working towards this perfect unity. And if we're going to be working towards this perfect unity, part of that is choosing reconciliation over running away. When we are in, in conflict with one another, right, it's, it's often because of a glory issue. We're trying to glory ourselves and not God. As we get in that place, so many times, we just choose the eject option. We know there's conflict. We know it might be awkward. We, we know maybe we were immature in that conversation. We, we know we should probably grow at, at conflict resolution. But, you know, we're just going to let it fade away. And when we do that, when we choose running over reconciliation, we're not only dishonoring God, but we're also distancing ourselves from the people of God. Right, And so in a church, we have to constantly be asking, how, how am I coming across right now? Am I coming across as loving? Am I outdoing one another in honor? Am I showing this brotherly affection? And when conflict does come up, which it will because we're sinful people, am I actually working towards unity even when I messed up or even when they messed up? And I know it's awkward. Am I picking up the phone and trying to fight for unity? Many times the church fights against one another. Fighting against one another does not lead to healthy places or a healthy witness. And so if we see in verse 23, it's talking about that they may become perfectly one. He's not just saying perfectly one vertically, but perfectly one here, where we're working together towards the mission and goal. If we're going to do that, we have to choose reconciliation over running or reconciliation over rebelling or reconciliation over gossiping or just talking about that person or talking about what they said, talking about what they did. Instead, Christ gives us a better way. And so how do we be fighters for unity? We follow Scripture's standard and protocol. And so Matthew 22, the great commandment, that's a verse that helps us realign our heart. 
Okay, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so we, we go into our days with that heart thinking, okay, I want to love God and I want to love people. That's what the great commandment is. In four words, love God, love people. So if we want to be able to choose reconciliation over running away, we, we got to have this heart. I want to love God and I want to love people. There was conflict, but I want to love God and I want to love people. And then when the conflict does show up, we're in the thick of it. We look at Matthew 18. Matthew 18, 15. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained a brother. We go a lot longer into that. We won't because of time. But in Scripture, Matthew 18 and other places in Scripture, we have an idea of what to do with conflict. God, in love, has given us his word, and in his word, as we look at it, we learn things. And when it comes to conflict, we can look at Matthew 18, and we can choose reconciliation over just running away, right? And sometimes we try to run away, right? Like, sometimes my wife and I might be in conflict, and and my heart is like, man, let's just, like, not work through it. Let's not talk through it. Let's just... Hopefully tomorrow it'll be better. Let's give it just time and space. Maybe it'll be better. Maybe she'll forget about it. Maybe I'll forget about it. Maybe it'll just mend on its own. If I'm in conflict with somebody else, maybe I'm thinking, yeah, it'll, we'll just see what happens next time. If we choose reconciliation, we actually get to grow and be more like Jesus, and we get to show his love because we have that compassion for each other. And then a, a verse you can write down, Ephesians 4.29, I'm not going to read it, but, but we see another place in Scripture where we're learning as Christians, as Christian community, we're to be building one another up. And so as you think about your life, as you think about the relationships that you have, are you choosing reconciliation over running? And so we've got to choose his glory over our own, and we have to reconcile rather than run final aspect of being in tune with the choir, with one another, with the church, is attendance over absence. I'm just going to read verse 23 again. I and them and you and me that they may become perfectly one. We're not going to be perfectly one with one another if we're not putting ourselves in one another's life. Right? I don't, I don't know if you've been in a long-distance relationship before, but if that relationship was only ever long-distance, it, w- it would have a certain tough dynamic to it, and it would never get to the same place that that relationship would if at some point you guys were actually together, right? And sometimes God uses those long-term relationships, uh, uh, long distance, that's what I'm trying to say. He uses those for his glory and good, right? And that's part of many people's story. But that's not the ultimate way that we can enjoy life and community with that person, And so if we're going to be perfectly one and aspiring for that, we have to be able to show up with a Sunday morning gathering. We have to be able to show up in one another's life, in the workplace, in the homes, with our neighbors. If we're wanting to see unity among the household of God, we have to interact with one another. We have to attend things. We have to talk, right? And if we want to engage the world and love them well, We have to show up there as well. And so we have to choose attendance over absence. I I think in recent years in American Christianity, for many men and and women, there's been many reasons why we haven't gotten so good at this. 
right? We could blame it on COVID. We could blame it on these different restrictions. We could blame it on this, blame it on that, blame it on I'm tired and I just don't know. And sometimes we do need to miss things. But that's never the formula that should be the norm, right? Matt and I were talking about this, and and a phrase he said was, here's the thing, there's many good reasons we might have to miss a Sunday, to to miss community group, right? My wife and I missed our own community group this last Tuesday. It, It was for a good reason. There's many good reasons that we have to miss a Sunday, Many good reasons we have to to maybe miss discipleship time with somebody. But something I'd hope we could agree on is that it's never the right long-term solution. But when we look at our culture right now, Christian culture, it's become the norm. Like church attendance once or twice a month is the new definition of good attendance. When we look at our culture I think sometimes that uh, like uh, men might think, oh, well, you know, I, I just meet with God in the woods. And that's great. We should have alone time with the Lord in the woods sometimes. If you like shooting deer, go shoot them. Be with the Lord. <laughs> but if your community is only a buck and does, you're missing something, right? When we look at Scripture, we're to be with one another in community. And so we have to choose attendance over absence because usually when we exit... We just start serving ourselves and then we get into that glory issue even more where we're just living for our own glory and not for God's. And so to be in tune with the choir, to be perfectly one or at least working towards that, we have to show up. The third structure that we see here in the text that helps us be in harmony with God and with other people around us is that we keep in tune with the composer's mission. Let's read the second part of verse 23. We'll just read all of 23 again. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one. Why? So that the world may know that you sent me and loved them, and even as you loved me. There's two times in this passage where he's giving the why. Why be unified? Why be singing as a choir who's in harmony with one another? so that the world may know. Could it be any clearer? Jesus, just plain and simple, praying before the Father, says, Lord, I have this desire that they would be unified with you. We have this picture of the Trinity, and and we're unified, and they have this model, they have this source. May, May they be unified with us, but may they also be unified with the body of Christ around them. Why? Why do we do it? So that the world may know that God sent Christ. It's our witness. I was reading one commentator that was talking about this just idea of as we are unified with each other, like that gets to be our witness in the world. That is a huge thing that we get to participate with God in, in helping the world Know that Christ was sent so that we can have hope, so that we can understand God's song, so that we can be in step and enjoying this delight that we find in God. So we got to be in tune with the choir so that the world may know. In verse 18 of chapter 17, Jesus says, As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. So that's why we as believers love this great commission. 
We, we go there for because we know that God has sent us to, to make disciples of all nations, beginning here and from out from Columbia to Missouri and from Missouri to the ends of the earth. God has called us to be part of that mission. And so if we want to be in harmony with him and others, we, we have to be reminding ourselves of the composer's mission. It's fun to write your own music, but if your wrong music is not God-centered, we're missing something. And so in the, the world of singing and music, I assume I never really played in band growing up, didn't learn any instruments. But in the world of music... There's a term I heard once that's called tone deaf, right? And so sometimes people don't have the clarity to understand it if someone's singing out of tune, right? And so we could all be singing wonderful, and, and maybe one person is just like screaming at the top of their lungs, and it's like, oh, man, like praising the Lord, and, and the Lord does receive that praise. But sometimes there's this tone deaf. That shows up where it's just like, I, I don't think I heard that. Something was off? I, I didn't know. And I think as we look at this text, as we see the unity that Christ has with the Father and with the Spirit, this unity that he's calling us into as a body, we have to be aware of where is the tone deaf in my life? Like, where am I missing it? Where, where am I not actually in tune with the Lord, but I think that I am? Where am I not in tune with people around me when I think that I am? Or maybe I'm aware of it. But I just keep singing, just keep leaning into this same note. And I, I know it's not perfect, but at least I'm trying. Where's the tone deaf in your life? Like, are you using your personal history to define all your present? It's like, yeah, I've just kind of always been raised this way, and so, so that's how I do it. That's, that's being tone deaf when we know that God has a work in our heart where we can be confessing things and growing in areas, and we don't do that. We just stay this head-butting individual in the choir. And the choir keeps getting out of tune. And when the choir keeps getting out of tune, what happens? The world is not hearing this song of God's creation. The world is hearing the church singing the world's song. And then it's like, well, why would I, why would I go? Like, you guys seem no different. And so why are you using your, your personal history to just kind of make up for the, the mistakes that you've made when it comes to unity in the church body? Or maybe you're out of the overflow of your personality. You're just like, well, well, this is who I am. Like, I am an introvert, and therefore I do not speak with people I don't know. And, and that's like, I get that. There's many times where I'm introvert and I don't want to interact with people. But when God's called us to sing his song, not just to ourselves and one another, but to the world, we, we can't let our personality define the fact that we're, we're not going to go talk to others. Or maybe, maybe you're really extroverted. You can't use your personality to, to then just glorify yourself and be like, hey, look at me. Like, I'm the funny guy. I'm the guy. Just, just look at me. I get the attention. You're not the, you're not the composer. You're not the conductor. No, God's calling us to look to him. And out of the overflow of who he's making us, we are then to sing God's song. But a lot of times we use our pastor, we use our personality to just do what we want, and then we run in arrogance, and we burn bridges as we do with each other, and with the world. And if that's all we're doing as a church, again, they're just singing, or they're, they're witnessing this wrong song that's being sung, and they're like, I don't, I don't jive with that. I, I don't have any care to be a part of a place with so much conflict. That's not to say the church is ever going to be perfect on this side of heaven, but we can be working towards unity with one another.
And so for those of you this morning who maybe you've never fixed your eyes on Christ as the conductor in your life, this morning the call to action for you would be to consider having him in that place in your life. You've been writing your own song. You've been dancing to the world's tune. You've been living for comfort. You've been living for what you want. This morning we see in God's word him calling us to be unified with him. And for some of you, maybe this morning, it's surrendering to him for the first time. It's trusting in God's story of Christ coming to earth, Christ dying, the sacrifice He's raised again so that we can have life, forgiveness for our sins, and a relationship with God. This morning, are you, are you following after Christ? Is He the conductor? Is He guiding you? Is He leading you? If not, consider putting your hope in Him. And if you are following after Christ this morning, this text has something for you. Are you in harmony with God? Or are you seeking Him? Are you in harmony with the church? Are you encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ? Or are you rebuking in, in a godly way in moments where that needs to be done? Are you practicing the unconditional love of Christ towards the people in your small group, towards the people in your home? How are you doing with the, the peace of unity if you're following after Christ? And maybe you're in a spot where it's like, yeah, I, I sincerely think that I'm, I'm walking that path right now. How are you doing with singing God's song to the watching world? You're, you're doing so with your unity with the church, but does the world know of that? Are you taking part in that great commission that the world could know and understand what it looks like to be in tune with God? God has much in his word to guide us, to lead us. Let's be humble enough people to submit ourselves to that. Let's pray. Dear Lord, I just, I do confess that we sing the, the wrong song and, and I'm no um, exception to the rule, God. And I just pray that as we uh, look at principles in Scripture, truths in Scripture that are calling us to live this lifestyle of love, this unconditional care, this harmony with people around us, God, I pray that you would soften our heart to want to participate in that, God. God, I, I thank you for the work that you did on the cross so that we can be in relationship with you. And God, I pray that we wouldn't take cheap grace and, and take that for granted, Lord, but we would let our lives be a living testimony poured out day after day as an act of worship so that we not only enjoy life with you and, and be in obedience to you, God, but so also that we would have this witness to the world around us. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.